Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. Welcome again to Wolfel's Press Box Podcast. I'm Jerry Wolfel, and as usual, I am joined by Jerry Tapp. Tonight, we're going to be covering a potpourri of topics. Like that word? I haven't been able uh, was, to use that. I was hoping you'd use the word plethora. Plethora or spate or... Wow. <laughs> you know, there's quite a few. You, know, you, myriad. Were, you were digging in the uh, dictionary. My thesaurus is right next to my <laughs> test. <laughs> At at my disposal, you know, nice. so you can you know fake a few people out That's here, right. but uh, we we want to talk on the, the three pro sports in Wisconsin: the Packers, the Brewers, and the Bucks. It's going to be like a free for all, whatever you want to throw out it. But uh, their punches will will not be thrown. None, none. I don't know if I'm capable of throwing a punch anymore. <laughs> It'd probably either hurt my shoulder or as, arm or something. As long as you can stop a punch, I think that's what's important. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to be honest with you, I still float like a butterfly. So, <laughs> Okay, I float like oh. an elephant. Float <laughs> <laughs> like an elephant. Yeah. So anyways, let's start in by uh, talking about the Packers. and uh, One of the uh, interesting recent developments was my guy, Brian Gutekunst, comes yeah. through again. I- I'm sorry, I... I- I should be his agent, you know, because it seems like every week I'm, I'm praising this guy and I'm going to praise him again. But yeah. the Packers had a obvious need at linebacker. They, they got some guys banged up, and he didn't waste any time. He goes out and decides he can uh, talk the Indianapolis Colts into dealing with their linebackers, a guy who's played a lot the last couple of years, Antonio. Yeah. Led them in tackles last year. Antonio Morrison, yeah, yeah. he did. I mean, it, it's incredible. It's like, where do you get a guy from another team who led them in tackles for a backup, backup defensive back? Like, but, but the strange thing, Gary, is if you think about it, why was he on the trading block? Yeah. How that, do you go from being the team's leading tackler to being expendable? And I think I read an article which said he was sliding down the depth chart, and yeah. he was he was a question mark to even make the 53-man roster. Yeah. That makes me wonder. I agree. I mean, you don't give up what they gave up Pipkins for. Right for a guy like that, but nevertheless, I mean, if this guy plays like he did last year, yeah, that's a steal. They're, they're not expecting him to come in and be Lawrence Taylor. No. They're just asking him to come in and be a solid contributor, yeah, provide some depth if nothing else. So, yep, uh, I, I was definitely impressed with that. And the other thing that kind of has caught my eye during uh, training camp is the play of the young defensive backs. No matter who it is, I mean, it seems like all the young defensive backs are playing well. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, anything stand out in your mind there? No, I, I was going to say it, kind of a combination of what you just said is I really like the depth that they have on defense, and a lot of it goes to what you just said about the young guys mm-hmm. in the secondary. But I also like what they're doing at linebacker. They've got some good quality guys there. We know that some of the moves they made over the off season really short up their front line on defense too. So I think if you look at the secondary, the linebacking core, and the front line, I think they've gotten better in all three of those spots, and I think the depth is really strong. Yeah, I'm going to hold, hold to my uh, statement. You, of, you, you're beating me to the punch of, here. <laughs> of, a top, of a top 10 defense. Yeah. No, so. you, you know what? I mean, it sounds far-fetched. I mean, I just can't imagine the Green Bay Packers being – 
a fantasy league uh, pick for their defense. But you know what? Yeah. It might be worth it, you know? Absolutely. Um, the other thing, too, is I, I know some of the skeptics wonder, like, hey, how can you win when you got guys like, you know, Jair Alexander and, and Kevin King and Josh Jones, I mean, really young guys. Josh Jackson. Jackson, yeah, all yeah. playing in the secondary. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just think back to the 49ers that, that one year, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember the precise year, but they won a Super Bowl with two rookie cornerbacks. Right. You know, so, I mean, it, it's possible as long as you have talented. I, as I recall, one of the cornerbacks at that time was – Somebody named Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott, yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the other guy. Can you remember off the top of your head? Not a- but these guys have really impressed me so far, and if they play to that level you know, during the regular season, I, I think I agree with you. Their defense could be uh, vastly improved. Absolutely. I think the thing that scares me, though, which we've talked about before, is you know, we talked uh, um, you know, the things that are good, which is the depth in their defense, but mm-hmm. I wonder about the depth in their offensive line. Yes, I I agree with you. Yeah, I know some people are panicking about the offensive tackles, the backups, but I think they're solid, Spriggs and uh, Murphy. Uh, But I I think they're okay for backups. You know, can you count on them for 16 games? No, no. But as backups, I I think they're solid. Where I'm concerned is inside at the guards' positions, and uh, I just wonder, you know, how that's going to play out. But you know what? To to your point before, though, with your um, your guy, um, the general manager. I think the fact that if they do have some issues with their offensive line, mm-hmm. I'm per, you know, in years past, would, right. we, would we have been confident that Ted Thompson was going to go out and fix the problem? Very true. And I think with uh, their current general manager, mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident that if they have a need, he's going to fill it. And in fact, what's to say that he doesn't fill it before the opening game? Yeah. You yeah. know, if, if he thinks there's a need there. No, I, I, I'm thoroughly impressed with this guy. I mean, uh, you know, Ron Wolf is obviously a great GM. Lombardi was a great GM. You know, yeah. you can go back in time. But what he has done in a short amount of time to me is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, he didn't come in there and just said, okay, I'm the GM. We're going to let uh, Aaron Rodgers carry this team, and that's that's the end of it. I mean, he goes out and makes some big moves. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham, and Wilkerson, Wilkerson, and then the draft day, you know, maneuver, and yep. uh, right now I can't think of another GM around the league that's done more than he has done uh, again in a uh, short amount of time. Yeah, and I think the other thing we have to think about too is that when you watch preseason games and they're they're boring as all get out. Yes, they are. You know, they really are. But the thing is, you know, once the season starts, everybody's looking at the Packers as a strong candidate, mm-hmm. you know, to make the playoffs and maybe the Super Bowl. But we've said this before, it all boils down to injuries. You know, what, what we're seeing now is all based on potential yes. and the talent that that is there. Mm-hmm. But we all know that once the season starts, those 22 guys that you put out as starters, what are the chances that all 22 are going to be starting 16 games into the season pretty rare you make a great point and the obvious is if Aaron Rodgers goes down we, we've right. seen that in the past and the, and the Packers aren't remotely the same team again absolutely but while you're talking I was thinking about what if the Packers lost Devontae Adams who has had injuries yeah you know during his career if they lose him that receiving core becomes real suspect yeah you don't have any blue chip receivers you don't have a Jordy that can come in and Correct. You know, take that load. 
Yeah. They have a lot of guys that have obviously potential, but they don't have a lot of, you know, games. They don't have a lot of career catches. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to win games based on potential. And that would dramatically impact their offense if they lost him. I think what might happen, Gary, is what Mm -hmm. you might might see is where they probably would alter their, their offense to kind of a tight end heavy offense. Yes, yes. I could see that happening. I also have another alternative. Des Bryant. <laughs> okay. And in fact, I, I've been singing the praises of Gutekunst. I would go and get Des Bryant right now. Mm. And and to me, he's like, uh, oh gosh, who's the guy they had? Andre Risen. You know? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of teams that don't want to deal with him and so forth. But you know what? For one year, hopefully he's on his best behavior. Behavior, he'll he'll assimilate to the team. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that'd be crazy if you had Des Bryant, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Allison. I mean, I like their young receivers, the rookies. Yeah, but they're they're not ready to make impacts. So and you talked about this a couple of weeks ago with your stats and yeah, how rookie wide receivers make little impact, right, for the most part. So yeah. Good point. Anything else uh, um, on, the, on the pack? I'll tell you what, the only other thing, Gary, in terms of what I'm concerned about, I haven't seen much from their punt returning or kick returning. I I, I don't know who they plan to put back there, mm-hmm. and I sure haven't seen much you know, in the preseason games, and I don't know if, if we should worry about that because, again, preseason is, you know, they throw yeah. anybody out there. But I, I really wonder if, you know, do they have a game plan for – I agree. And you go back, we were talking about Andre Raisin, you know, like the uh, Super Bowl. I mean, they can make impacts, you know, players like that. I mean, people always overlook special teams. And more often than that, special teams will put you over the hump. And I can tell you one guy that I I think they shouldn't waste any more time is Montgomery. I I don't think he has any maneuverability. He, He just doesn't. Do anything for me, and it seems like once he gets hit on a kickoff return, he's done. He's he doesn't have yeah. any elusiveness. Yeah, I would go to one of the two rookies cornerbacks, you know, Jackson or uh, Alexander. I would I, agree with you. I like those two guys. I, I yeah. think they're they're explosive and uh, could make things happen. And I'm so. I'm curious, I guess, to kind of end this. I'm curious to see what they are going to do in terms of for the punt return and kickoff return. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, the nice thing is uh, Thursday night, so they got like. What is it, 10 days before they uh, right. play the Bears in the season opener? Plus, it's uh, on a Sunday night. Sunday night. Yeah. That gives them even more time. Yeah. And uh, I, I was looking at their schedule today. They, they are really in a good position to start out really fast. I mean, I, they could go, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I could see them going five and one to open the season, maybe six and oh. Yeah. Bears, Vikings will be the toughest game, of course, but that's at Lambeau Field. Right. Plus, Kirk Cousins is coming in, still trying to get adjusted to a new team. Yep. They got Washington, should beat Buffalo, should beat Detroit, should beat San Francisco. And the beautiful thing is they got the bye in week seven. Yeah. So then, you know, the schedule certainly picks up after that, but they can recoup, you know, midway through the season. So. And, you know, what's important, too, is get those wins early and beat the team you're supposed to beat so that you're not fighting at the week 16 and 17 to try to make the playoffs because you lost, you know, to some team you should have never lost to in week five. Yeah. No, I I fully expect them to come out clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. Let's uh, move over to the Brewers, and I'm going to get this off my chest. (laughs) You you want Ron traded again? Well, that's the other thing I want. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get. You know what? If they ever trade Braun, 
I mean, I may actually become a Stearns fan. <laughs> I know that's asking a lot, but uh, until he gets rid of Braun, I, you know, yeah. whatever. But my biggest pet peeve, and I'm sure it is with the vast majority of Brewer fans, we, we talked about this before the season started in spring training. We talked it a couple of weeks ago about uh, this before the trading deadline, and we're still talking about it. They have to go out and get a front-line pitcher, starting yep. pitcher. Yep. Justine is their best starter, don't you think, right now? He is, there's no doubt. And you match him up in the playoffs in game one. Do you have any confidence he's going to win? I, Gary, I won't even go that far. I'll, I'll say for them to even make the playoffs with Chassin as their number one. And, I, and actually there's been a few games where Freddie Peralta has pitched well. But after that, you've got Chase Anderson. Right. You've got Junior Guerra. And Wade Miley is your fifth starter right now. Yeah. You know, again, I don't know if that starting pitching is enough to get them in to win that first or second wild card. I totally agree. I mean, to me, it was like, how come you can see it, I can see it, every fan in Brewer Nation can see it, but Stearns can't? Yeah, it makes me wonder, though. Maybe he can't, he does. No, I'm sure he does. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he obviously does, but I don't know. Are these other teams asking too much? Jerry, this is the same thing that came down last year with Verlander. Right. You know, I mean, if I if I'm Stearns, yeah, you want one of my prospects, you go right ahead because we got a chance to go into the not right. only into the playoffs, maybe deep into the playoffs right. with Verlander as their guy. Especially knowing what happened last year with the Astros, yes, picking up Verlander, that was the difference maker. No question. So, yeah. is there a difference maker out there? I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, they got to find a guy that's better than what they have now. I mean, it, it's, it's like you can get away with these guys during the regular season, but in the playoffs, it's all business. Yeah. Yeah, most teams have two, maybe even three high-quality starters. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I think the other thing is that I'm really worried about is that bullpen. I, I think the bullpen is really tired. You know, other than Hader mm-hmm. and Jeffress right. and Soria, boy, all these other guys who are piling up a lot of innings – you know, they come in in a game where either it's a, a tied game or they're down by a run. Next thing you know, it's a 1-1 game, and then it's all of a sudden 9-1. to Yeah, yeah. So no. I don't know if these guys are tired or what it is. but You know, the other thing, uh, well, i got a couple other pet peeves here as we go okay. along with the Brewers. And you and I touched upon this right before we came on the air, and that was with Thames playing right field. Yeah. I, I understand the idea you want him in the lineup for his hitting. Yep. He is a train wreck as a defensive outfielder. I mean, yeah. he's horrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He, he just can't make plays that an average right fielder can make. Yeah. Uh, the other night he had a fly ball that, you know, I'm guessing was maybe 30, 40 feet from him. He couldn't get to it. And, yeah. Well, the scary thing is, too, is you say that they have him in the lineup for his bat, but the guy's only hitting 224. Yes. I mean, he's got the potential for some power. But if he's not hitting a home run, he's not driving in a lot of runs, and he's not getting on base. So why is he out there? Yeah, know? I have no idea. But, you know, and I'm the last guy to criticize Council because I think Council, for, for the second straight year, has done a phenomenal job. Yeah, he has. I mean, you look at their talent. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah. I don't think it's that good outside of maybe three or four players, yeah. you know? Yep. Very, very much a, a mediocre team. The uh, the other pet peeve, again, <laughs> hate to be uh, tough on Mr. Stearns here, but the deals that he made in recent weeks have been infield-oriented. And the one that kind of gnawed at me 
was going out and getting Moustakis. Now, we all agree Moustakis is a very good player. Nobody disputes it. Yeah. But I'm a big believer in chemistry, too. And the guy that he replaced was Travis Shaw. Yeah. And my gut feeling is Travis Shaw was feeling pretty good about himself being an everyday third baseman. Right. And all of a sudden, he's got to be shifted to second base. I mean, which, yeah, he's not a second baseman. Not really, no. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, can you put him there? Sure he can, but he's not going to be on any all-star team going forward. Well, plus then they pick up Jonathan Chu. Correct. And he's primarily a second baseman. But if Shaw's playing second, then they got to move Shoop over to short. And he hasn't done much with the bat. So, you know, you've picked up a couple of guys, and just because you picked them up, now you've you've shifted all of the pieces on your infield. Yeah. The the one that really kind of baffled me was Shaw, though. A, a veteran player, all of a sudden you uproot him. Yeah. And I just can't imagine. I, I, I would. He's saying all the nice things publicly. Yeah. But uh, privately, he's burning. You would think so. You know, so... Yeah. Anyways, uh, it'll well, be interesting to see. Uh, now you got a couple things on. Yeah, I just wanted to um, bring up the point about you know the Brewers have thirty games left in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're fourteen games above five hundred at this point. They're what seventy-two and whatever. Eh? Yeah, fifty-eight, I think. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? They've got twenty-one of their last thirty games are against the National League Central, so a good portion of their schedule. Is against the Cubs, the Pirates, the Reds, and the Cardinals. Right. Well, you know what? Against the NL Central, they're five games under 500. Ouch. Which means they're 19 games above 500 <laughs> against the rest of the league. Sure, so sure. When you've got that many games against your division opponents and you haven't played well against them all year, it really makes me wonder. I mean, they're 4 and 9 against the Cubs this year, mm-hmm. they're 4 and 9 against the Pirates. That's that's shocking. Yeah, because yeah. they had basically had the Pirates' number for a long time, and then you figure the two teams ahead of them in the schedule, the Cubs and St. Louis, both you know they they're fortunately eight and eight against the Cardinals this year, but again they're four and nine against the Cubs, four and nine against the Pirates, yeah, um, half of their games against those three teams. So yeah, no, I agree with you. You know the uh, interesting thing with the Brewers coming down the stretch here. Now you can look at the half, glasses half full or, or glasses half empty. Six of them are against the Cubs, yeah. and three of them are coming next week in Milwaukee. And then the following week, I think three in Chicago at, at Wrigley. Yeah. And to me, it's like I would say the odds are what slim to none that they're going to win the division. But if they get blown out in those six games against Cubs, they're going to get blown out of the playoffs. Well, there's not much room for error because no, there, there isn't. Are, there are so many teams. You know, they've got like five other teams that are all within a couple games mm-hmm. of that final wild card spot. That are playing much better than the Brewers for the exactly. most part at, at this particular yeah. time. So, no, if you're a Brew fan, I mean, it's, this should be fun to see what happens. But, yeah. again, Stearns has to come up with a with, with a game plan to get another starter. I think they're not going to make the playoffs. And here's my prediction, Gary. They're 72 and 58 right now. Mm-hmm. I think they have to finish with 90 wins. Wow, which means that's a lot. They've got to finish eighteen and and twelve these yeah. last thirty games. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's not going to happen. But every time I think it's not going to happen with the Brewers, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I right. mean, they they are one of the most resilient teams I have seen. They figure the, out a way to do it. I don't know how they do it. Sometimes. Exactly, and, and and again, I think it stems back to council. I I really believe that. 
yeah. he has instilled so much confidence in these guys that they believe they're really good. <laughs> well, look at that game Friday night when they, which they blew a lead, and then it, it yes. goes to 15 innings, and then they win it in the 15th. You know, sure, sure, with a, a, a pitcher getting a walk, right? You know, right. batting getting walks. So. Right. All right, let's uh, switch over to the Bucks as we uh, kind of wrap this podcast up. But uh, the Bucks are still in Milwaukee. They are, and uh, a lot of a lot of Bucks fans showed up last Sunday for the grand opening of their new arena. What's the, the new arena called? Pfizer Forum. It's, uh, <laughs> that rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It, it does. You know, I mean, we could talk about that as well. But <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I, obviously I'm, you have an opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to come out of the shoots with it with this statement. I wonder if Mike Budenholzer is having buyer's remorse about <laughs> taking the Bucks job right now. Okay, now why do you say that? The reason is because I, I might be off base here, but I think he felt that Jabari Parker was going to be part of this mix mm. going forward. That with Parker, Middleton, and Giannis, you had a big three. I mean, that could go out there and, and basically contend. Yeah. Maybe I'm way off base. Maybe he didn't want Parker. You know, some people said, hey, you didn't want to have him because of this defense, which is just silly because yeah. most of the great players in the NBA don't play that good of defense <laughs> anyway. So. But anyways. But do you really think that the front office would have led Budenholzer to Yes, I, I agree. You, really? and, and I, oh, to let him leave? No, that they would have told Budenholzer that Parker he's going to be here. Do you think that they that Budenholzer thought Parker was going to be here? I, I think he did. Really, I, I do, I, and and based on the conversations I've had with people in the last couple of weeks, the Bucks. I mean, as a whole, thought Parker was coming back. They mm. never expected a twenty million dollar offer. Okay, they they can say whatever they want publicly, but I heard during negotiations when Jabari Parker's agent uh, Mark Bartlestein of Chicago threw out that twenty million dollars, some of the Bucks people are laughing about it uh, that they thought it was a joke. Yeah, and and they were ill prepared for it and. The funny thing is, uh, for Wolfel's press box, it, about two or three weeks before that, I wrote a story from an NBA executive who said that he would give Parker, if if his team was in the hunt, twenty million over two or three years. Yeah, which is basically what the Bulls did for two years. Right. But the Bucks and the Hawks played one game late in the season when Budenholzer obviously was, you know, still with the Hawks. Yeah. Parker played 20 minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Not even half the game, right? Yeah. He had 15 points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's instant offense, you know? And, yeah. and all of a sudden, where are they going to find it? And Which leads me into the uh, next topic. They have been trying to make a trade. I, I think the Bucks' top officials know they cannot win, at least at a high level, with the group they have. Yeah. And that they're still trying to make a deal. And uh, you see, hear John Henson's name tossed about. You hear Malcolm Brogdon's name tossed about. You hear, uh, to a lesser degree, Bledsoe. Uh, who am I missing? There's a third one, Tony Snell. Tony Snell. Yeah, but there, there are three guys that they're basically shopping at a pretty uh, feverish pace here. But if Middleton gets hurt, for instance, they're back in the lottery. Yeah. As good as Giannis is, he's not carrying that team into the playoffs. I don't think he's going to carry them, is he? No. He, I mean, again, he's, he's a terrific player, maybe the best, you know, I, I would say one of the top three players in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah. But they can't stand pat. I, I know there's only a couple weeks before the season gets underway, but and their belief is probably like fans are going to come up, show up to watch this because of the new arena. You know what I mean? See, and that's, I, I just jotted down a note. I made a uh, note that, 
is the Pfizer Forum enough of a smokescreen for the fans this year where they're not going to be concerned about how well the team plays? You mean the Bucks or the fans won't care how, how well the Bucks the, play? The fans won't care. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're going to show up. I, I have no doubts. No, for, they'll show up. Yeah, but they'll show up because of the of the new Correct. arena. Correct, new arena. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Is, is the new arena enough of a smokescreen that how well the Bucks do really isn't that big a deal to them? It's the same yeah. philosophy I had when the Brewers Miller opened Park. Miller Park. Yes. It's like you know what? Everyone's going to come. They're going to love it. Oh, what a wonderful stadium we have. And we don't really care that much about the you know whether <laughs> yeah, we make the yeah. playoffs or not. Well, I mean, I, I mean, if I was one of the owners, I'd be very concerned about making the playoffs because the window for keeping Giannis is a very small one right now. Yeah. And if I was a betting man today, I'd say he's not coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, contrary to what everybody thinks. Well, let me go back. I, and I remember how I got blasted for saying this about Parker in the middle of last season that right. he wasn't coming back. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. Giannis is going to come back, but if they they do not show significant improvement, like they can't get to this, at least to the second round or, or into the Eastern Conference Finals, for instance, yeah. I don't see them hanging around. Let me go back to something you said before about a potential trade. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think they're looking for in a trade? A oh, score, they, they, a big guy. Yeah, or? they they want another shooter. I don't think there's any question. I mean, okay. they drafted Divincenzo. And uh, you, you can argue the merits of that pick. <laughs> Hopefully, he's better than their two previous picks, yeah. and uh, especially last year, the one. W- in but which he's not going to be somebody that's going to come no, and play pre- precisely eighteen twenty minutes and right. get you 10, 12 points a game. Right, and it was interesting. I got brainwashed here. The rookie from uh, Utah that was rookie of the year by the, by one group. He came out the other day and they asked him who he thought would be the rookie to keep an eye on. Next year, like he was last year, he yeah. kind of exploded on the scene. Right, and he said Lonnie Walker. Well, the Bucks passed on Lonnie Walker. He went the very next pick oh, to San Antonio. Oh, really? And it was interesting to hear him say this that he thought uh, Walker could be the player in this draft to look for. And uh, it was, it, believe it or not, that's who my guy was. If I was picking for the Bucks, I would have went with Walker as well. Yeah. But uh, not that Diva Senzo is a bad player. He's not by any stretch. Right. My preference would have been Walker. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see what happens on that front. Interesting. Anything else uh, from your Buck standpoint? Uh, uh, I saw something on the sports tonight that Matthew Dellavedova got his first career hole-in-one. As a member of the San Antonio Spurs? <laughs> no, as a member of... He played at some golf course in Milwaukee. Oh, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Hole yeah. number two at 55 yards. He yeah. got a hole-in-one. Yeah, we could spend an hour talking about hole-in-ones. When I was probably 13, 14 years old, I played at a country club. I On a par three, came within two or three inches of ace in the hole, right? Yeah. And I go, man, this is going to be a breeze. I, you know, how, how many am I going to get over the next 40, 50 years, right? Yep. Still looking Still for, for it. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. You get four yeah. or five inches, but it doesn't matter. It, it yeah. didn't go in the cup. You know? I've, I've had several um, uh, hole-in-ones on mini golf. So, hey, one last uh, t- thing on the Bucks. Uh, there, there's conversations still flowing around the NBA that the Bucks might have interest in O.J. Mayo. Okay. And, uh, you know, you obviously played with the Bucks, and uh, when he was in the right frame of mind, physically, mentally, emotionally, he was a, he was a pretty good player. 
I don't know if he has formally uh, applied for reinstatement uh, into the NBA, but uh, the word is that the Bucks definitely have an interest in him. And uh, I think if something's going to happen, it's going to happen, obviously, in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. And obviously a, a healthy, altogether O.J. Mayo would be a, a nice addition to the Bucks. I mean, that that's the guy that could help him. But, I, again, he's got to get his house in order. And uh, right. for his sake, I hope that was the case. So anything else, my man? Uh, I don't think so. I was just going to mention that um, Adam Silver said the Bucks might get an all-star game. Yes. In the future. I said that two years ago on, on WSSP in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to get it, uh, like, next year because uh, there, there was some question about Charlotte's situation back, yeah. at that point two years mm-hmm. ago, whether they would be able to uh, uh, host an all-star game. I think they were talking now that the next available one is, like, 2022. Yeah, there, there's two open slots right now. And uh, I think, is it, gosh, I was going to say Indiana. I can't remember, but there was a team. Oh, it was Orlando. Mm-hmm. Orlando recently inquired about hosting. They they were told that the uh, two spots probably were filled. Now, it, to me, it's going to be either Milwaukee, Sacramento, or Golden State. One of those, two of those three. Yeah. And and I'll tell you what, you know, I would love to see the All Star Game in Milwaukee, but if they do not give it to the Sacramento Kings, I, I think it's just a, a farce. Mm-hmm. It's like even the league doesn't even believe in the Kings yeah. anymore. You know. Right. But. The ownership out there, the city has have been lobbying for it for some time. They've gone out of their way to make it an attractive All Star game, and yeah. why not? You know, Sacramento is part of the league, so sure. you know, give them a shot. They got a spanking new arena, just like the Bucks have, and right. let them go there. So, and I think that's basically what Silver said: is you've got a few teams that have new arenas that we've got to take care of them yeah. first. So. So it's, it's like the uh, PGA or the U.S. Open, where they plan these things like a decade in advance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like it's next week or something, you right. know? Yeah. So, uh, all right, my man, good chatting with you. And yes. uh, thank you uh, for uh, coming over to our illustrious Studio A in beautiful, <laughs> balmy Caledonia, <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah, balmy today. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thanks, uh, Jerry, and uh, thank you for listening in, and uh, look forward to our next podcast next week. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and Wuffle's Press Box.com.